Hey guys, this is Mike Badano, and you're listening to Sarcastic Remarks on 365 Sportscast Radio Network. All right, guys, welcome back to Sarcastic Remarks. Uh, along with Chris, my brother, I'm Brian. I actually said it right, correct, this time, Chris, rather than <laughs> Good the job. other time. Good job. It's very I'm, impressive. Are, aren't, you, aren't you proud of me? I'm it's very. Me <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we've got you, a, a real treat for you guys today. Um, uh, so we actually have, uh, Saad Youssef. Uh, Saad Youssef is the staff writer for The Athletic for, uh, the Dallas Stars, and he's also a producer for, uh, The Ticket. And, uh, he's, he's been around, uh, DFW Sports for a while, so, uh, he's also covered the Cowboys, the Mavs, the Rangers, uh, FC Dallas, and for numerous different, uh, di- different organizations. He's, uh, Worked for WFAA for a little bit for Mavs.com and even some Dallas Morning News stuff. You know, back to Mike Heika and doing all that stuff. So, uh, and uh, Saad, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys having me. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, definitely a lot to talk about when it comes to the stars right now. <laughs> Hopefully, we can talk about more of the good stuff than the bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, my my first thought was, uh, especially after yesterday, I was just like. Oh goodness! There could not be a better time to have an interview right now, based on that game yesterday. Uh, so, uh, so I'd d- just give us a, a just a rundown of your career, kind of where you've been, and uh, how and why did you become a writer, and how did you come to write for the for the stars? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, first of all, like I, I kind of <laughs> the way I got into sports writing was really just in college. Like it wasn't. This wasn't something that I kind of grew up wanting to do. I grew up wanting to be a professional quarterback so in the NFL. So <laughs> that's kind of where it started. But then, you know, once you find out that, okay, you know, I'm 5'6", and I'm not going to be able to do that uh, for a lot more reasons than just my height. Um, then after that, like once I got into college, I was like, all right, like I still want to be in sports somehow. So um, took a class at UNT that requ- that's required by all undecided majors and um you know, kind of came across sports journalism, uh, a much longer story on, on just the whole journey, but just kind of, you know, went from there, um, you know, had my own little blog, covered the Mavericks every now and then. That's where my career really started was covering the Mavericks and then uh, got a job at ESPN Dallas Radio at the end of my sophomore year um, at UNT. And then a year later, got a job part-time at the Dallas Morning News and then two years after that, got the job at the Athletic, covering um, like you like you mentioned all four teams in the Metroplex. And then uh, two years after that, um, uh, Sean moved on to the NHL Business Beat. Sean Shapiro, who covered the Stars, moved on to the NHL Business Beat, and uh, and I took over for the Stars. So that's that's the short version of how I kind of you know got to where where I am right now in terms of uh, my career. Awesome. Pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I can totally relate with wanting to stay around sports while not being good at them. <laughs> yeah, so I just had a question. Have you been a Stars fan kind of for a while, or is this kind of something that you're kind of being pushed into by getting this job? No, to be honest, like, I mean, I watched casually growing up. I watched hockey when, like, you know, the Stars were in the playoffs or when the Stanley Cup finals were on. I wasn't, I didn't religiously watch hockey. I mean, that was more football and basketball for me, to be honest with you. Um, 
And you no, I've never I've never been a Stars fan. Uh, I'm not currently like I'm not a Stars fan now. I'm I'm you know I just uh, you know I, I cover the team and and you know I definitely enjoy do it. I, I would say I'm a hockey fan for sure. Um, I love hockey, uh, love the sport. Um, but yeah, I've never really you know like I think I think when you say you're a fan of something, it's more of like an emotional investment, right? And I don't really have. I wouldn't say I really have that. I, but I, I always see a lot of times reporters will say they're not fans of the teams and they'll be they'll be saying the truth. But I do want the stars to win, um, but not because I'm a fan, but more because good stories come out of happy times. Like it's a lot better when I get to write about you know a Jake Ottinger shutout versus a meltdown. Oh, in the third boy. period, right? So like, <laughs> I, I, I root for them to win, but it's not because I'm a fan. So it's kind of like a an interesting little dynamic there with how that works. Yeah, you know that's really interesting because, uh, and I've realized this. Uh, you know, we we only started this podcast about uh, last August, Chris. Right? I guess right when the return to play started, and it's it, it's kind of a different, you know feature because like um before the podcast even if the star if the stars were doing bad i would just turn off the i'd turn it off right because you know the stars are doing bad and um i would consider yeah right exactly fair (laughs) weather fan exactly but uh but uh especially with uh if they're doing good then i then i loved it um but even now it seems like uh when even when they're doing bad i i still have to watch them because i I don't know and it it, i still have that emotional attachment like you like you're saying and uh, if you don't have that emotional attachment, it's a little bit easier to write for stuff. I feel like, maybe that's just me, but no, no, I, I agree. It is it is easier to to evaluate things fairly when that happens. Now that doesn't mean that you know sometimes like certain emotional attachments don't happen. Like you know, like I, I think a good example of that actually was this season. Um, not that I was emotionally attached or anything, but I was working on a story for a couple of weeks on Andrew Cogliano and uh, he, he was having a, he, he was having, his wife was pregnant and he was about to have a kid. And I talked to them a week or so before they had the, before the due date. And, um, and we talked about how important it was for them to, you know, stay clear of the coronavirus so that he could be in the room with her and everything like that. And, they gave birth to their daughter the morning that the team had the COVID outbreak. So for me, just as a human, like I was working on that story, but I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this just sucks for him as a person. If he's not able to be there, which fortunately he was, but you know, there is, there is a human element to it. So like, you know, I'm not like, like, you know, if, if, if Andrew Cogliano has a bad game, I'm going to say he has a bad game. Um, so I'm not like, you know, uh, I would say an irrational fan or anything, but you know, when there's a human element involved in it, then you're definitely, you definitely feel that because I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a robot. So, <laughs> right. But I, I, I do like that you said that cause, uh, irrational fans, cause especially after last night, there seemed to be a lot of irrational things said. <laughs> And that's probably <laughs> from, why you from did you. that. Art. Yeah, yeah. Especially for me, I was very, I was very emotional at, uh, last night when I did the uh, when I did the podcast. So much so that I even put it up as our little sneak peek. But uh, so, all right. So, so let's let's go ahead and talk about that that three to two win. Um, uh, we weren't even gonna talk about it really because it hadn't existed yet when we talked about doing this. But uh, uh, 
I couldn't figure out what happened. So I'm just going to ask you, and this is probably a loaded question, but what happened last night? <laughs> you know, well, it, it, the, the problem is that the offense and defense, the, first of all, the way the Stars play, um, the way that the system is, and I know a lot of people have, have an issue with the system, and I don't really... I don't really have an argument, you know, against that. Like, I agree. I think there's certain flaws in, in, in the way that they play hockey. Now, you know, I'm also not I, I'm also not arrogant enough to say that I know hockey better than Rick Bonus does. Um, that's just that's just my opinion. <laughs> you know, from afar, you know, it looks like there are certain things they do that just don't work. And I and and I think it's fair for any fan, any media member to say that. Um, you know, I always have this balance of, you know, playing coach from the couch and, you know, for Rick bonus, who's coaching in his fifth decade, um, you know, you just have to kind of, you, you just have to be mindful of, of how you approach things. Now that doesn't mean that anyone's opinion is wrong. Like people that said that, you know, the stars needed more defense when Lindy Ruff was the coach, they weren't wrong about that. So, you know, I, I do agree. And so, you know, bringing it back to what, to, to, uh, you know, the three, two loss, and everything like that. I think, you know, what you saw was a team that stopped playing aggressively offensively, and then it cost them defensively because all of a sudden you're on your heels. Um, hockey, I would say as much as any sport, probably hockey and basketball especially, the offense and defense is very intertwined. It doesn't ma It doesn't mean that, you know, you can, if, if your offense is great, your defense is going to be great, but depending on how you play offensively or how you play defensively, it translates to the other side as well. Like we see it in basketball. You make a bad pass offensively, it leads to a fast break dunk on the defensive end, right? So hockey's the same way. And so, you know, when they stopped playing aggressively offensively, they weren't um, staying in the zone, they weren't playing well, um, that cost them on defense. And on, on Thursday, uh, they didn't have a 34-year-old veteran uh, making diving saves to bail them out. They had a 22-year-old rookie who, you know, it wasn't completely his fault. He was just, you know, he had he had some bad looks and like maybe Anton Hudobin saved some of those, but you don't blame Jake Ottinger, I think, in a vacuum. Now, I'm not saying he was flawless. Like, sure, he, you know, he, he could have played better down the stretch as well. But that's on the skaters, man. Like, the, you, you can't allow your rookie goaltender to see the kind of shots he was seeing there down the end. Yeah, that that's exactly what we were talking about that, that game, actually. We were saying if Hudobin's in, maybe he wins the game. But, like, that's the difference between Hudobin and Ottinger right now is Ottinger won't be the reason you lose the game, at least so far this season he hasn't been. But Hudobin, Hudobin might be the reason you do win. So that that's what we've been talking about recently with the differences when people are talking about who to start, especially since Dobby didn't start for a while. But uh, I also want to get a little bit more specific there. So in the in the post game press conference, you saw Bones kind of call out the veterans as like the main reason for that. So w w what do you think about that? Because me and Ryan also kind of talked to like maybe Bones got some blame there because we were thinking as as couch coaches, we probably both would have called a timeout after that second goal. Opinions on that? Yeah. No, no, I I agree with you. I would have called a timeout too. And then you know Bones was asked about that after the game, and he kind of explained it as you know, we needed the timeout at the end. And I'm like, I, I don't disagree that you needed the timeout at the end, but maybe you wouldn't have had that ending if you used the timeout at the beginning. Like, you needed the timeout at the end because you needed to tie the game up. Maybe if you call the timeout when it's 2-1-2-2, two, 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 you don't have to call that timeout at the end and, and draw up a play. So 
I think yeah. it was a it was a bit of hindsight there what what, what Bones was saying. Um, but but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I, I think people with Rick Bonus, um, and I'm and I'm not again, I'm not I'm not a, like some homer or anything like that. I just think people have preconceived opinions of what Rick Bonus is and the system he plays. And I think a lot of people out there are 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 quick to pounce on that when there are a lot of other reasons and Rick Bonus is not perfect. There's a lot of flaws in the way that I think the the stars are playing overall and the coach and the coach is never um, you know free of blame in that. But I mean, you know, you you got to look at other aspects of what's going on as well. There what happened yesterday aside from the timeout which I agree that's that's on the players. That's on players to to do that. And Rick Bonus, he's smart enough to know that he's going to he, that the veterans, if he calls them out, it's not going to take a psychological toll. It's not going to do anything like that. If you start calling out your younger guys, you don't know what how they're going to take it. If their confidence is going to get shot, Jamie Ben and Joe Pavelski, they're not worried about Rick Bonus in the media saying they need to pick it up. They'll they'll. That's why yesterday. Those were the guys that were talking after the game in a loss because because those are the guys that know how to handle these kind of situations. So I think it's all very intentional. I, I don't think, but blame goes around everywhere. I think you know it starts from the head coach, but it certainly goes down to the players. I really like that point. That's a good point. You call out the veterans and not the not the young guys because of the the way they might uh, react. So, um, uh, so let's talk about one of those young players. Uh, so. Uh, Chris and I have talked a little bit about uh, Miro Haskinen a little bit over the course of this season in uh, some of our PGRs, and it, we don't think he's playing bad, uh, uh, right? Right, Chris? Would you say that that's that's probably about right? Uh, he, he's not playing bad, but he's not playing like Haskinen is, right. is what so, I would say. <laughs> so I, I guess I guess my what my question is is to you is does he look different than the Miro Haskinen we saw in the bubble playoffs? And why why is why does he look different? Yeah, I do think he looks different. I think I think one of the main things with him is um, it, it's it's not. First of all, defensively he does not look different. Defensively he's everything yeah, that right. he's been. Um, you know, he probably has the the single best play of Stars hockey I've seen in my three years covering the team. Uh, okay. no that joke. led to uh, Pavelski's game tying goal uh, a couple of weeks ago or so. So. You know, defensively, he's he's very much the same. And the, and with with Miro's defense, you always have to actually watch the game and see like how many times you can see a guy on the other team just just racing down, looking like they're going to get a uh, a, a goal on the rush, and Miro just like just casually pokes his stick in there and, and just breaks it all up. I think his defense is great. Now, offensively, I think there's a few issues, and and I think. The, the main one is he's just not shooting enough. Like, that is the biggest thing. And, you know, I mentioned it in, in an article that I wrote today about, about you know, I've gotten a lot of questions about is Miro, is Miro you know, regressed or something like that, you know. And here, here's, here's the thing. Miro's in his third year. In his first, in his rookie season, he was taking 4.4 shots per game. Last season, that went up to 4.9 shots per game. Right now... He's at 2.9 shots per game. So wow. he has basically cut that in half almost. And so the biggest thing is, like, you know, we, we, if you don't shoot, you can't score. So, 
That's the biggest thing that that he's just not shooting enough. And then when he is shooting, he's having he's having I would say the opposite issue that John Klingberg always has. John Klingberg's issue when he when he is looking to shoot is he takes too long. He uh, he he looks for the perfect pass, looks for the perfect play, and doesn't shoot enough. Um, however, with Miro, he's shooting too quick, and his shots get blocked and don't make it to the net. So I think that is the issue that Miro is having right now. Yeah, that's definitely what I've been saying. And then Ryan keeps saying there's there's got to be something different. I'm like, no, I don't think so. He's just got to shoot the stupid puck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, so let's so let's talk about one of your uh, articles, and I think it, this is one of your more articles you're more proud about because you got it pinned up at the top of your uh, your your Twitter profile. So uh, so back kind of before you took over the uh, the job as the Stars beat writer for the Athletic, uh, you wrote an article about uh, Dobby entitled "The Russian Buddha." So <laughs> I think that's absolutely awesome. Uh, but uh, my question about that article and uh, and uh, you can answer it however you'd like, but uh, what was it like following Dobby's journey as he became that NHL goaltender, and how much work did that article actually take, uh, you know, progressing over time? Yeah, man. It, uh, first of all, to watch to watch stories like Anton's, like, you know, it's always fun to uh, to just, you know, see those kind of things happen because when, when you know, uh, everyone loves a good Cinderella story, and that's kind of what, Anton's rise in Dallas has kind of been he's been a journeyman uh he's played for double digit teams in his in his professional career combining the NHL AHL and everything so um I I think you know that's been a lot of fun um and then you know that that story that took uh that took that the week that I wrote it that was basically the only thing that I worked on um it it took um probably about I would say a total of I don't know about about 40 to 45 to 60 hours or so um if you combine just like everything (laughs) of interview because yeah because you got interviews you transcribe all the interviews then you have to go through and sort it all and then there's the editing process with it uh i would say it took probably around around 40 hours uh 40 to 40 40 to 50 hours or so so yeah it, it was a beast and and you know it got it done within one week because Obviously, they're in the middle of a Stanley Cup playoff run, and you want to get you want to get it out in that time. So, yeah, that was that was a really fun one, though. And and you know, Anton's a character where it works because you can't write that kind of story on everyone because not everyone's wearing UGG boots in uh, in the Florida heat uh, and things like that. So that's that's just kind of the way it was. Uh, Anton is quite a character, uh, it, it, and I think he ever since, uh, and I would argue ever since. Roussel left, and he left for Vancouver. Uh, we've needed one of those, you know, character guys that uh, we could look at, and uh, Dobby has definitely been that, and it's been so much fun watching him play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I had a, little, a few more questions just about kind of your perspective. So you kind of showed that you're not exact; you wouldn't technically consider yourself a Stars fan, and as someone who is like definitely super deep into like the Stars fan community, I was kind of wondering like what's kind of the outside perspective of Stars fans. Um, st- for me, it's it's the most passionate fan base. I mean, it, it's it's really awesome. Like actually, you know, I was uh, I was, you know, I, I was on the ticket. I was filling in 
uh, for Mike Soroy uh, in the producer chair, and uh, we were talking about that actually just Friday morning. So, um, you know, Stars fans are not high in number. Uh, if you look at Dallas, look, this is going to be a football town. The Cowboys are going to rule the sports, uh, the sports world in Dallas. I don't think anyone would dispute that. But the Stars fan base is just so... I, you know, it's the vocal minority. Like, I mean, the Stars fans are loud. They care about the team. They're passionate. Um, it's a lot of fun to, uh, like, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, then you know that, like, you know, I take, I take the the, I take that part of my job very seriously. Of of kind of making watching games a communal aspect. Like, I'm live tweeting and having fun. Like. You know, my, my written work on The Athletic is very different than my Twitter feed, and that's very intentional because, you know, I there, I like to have fun with the Stars fan base because the Stars fan base is fun. Um, and then, you know, when I turn to The Athletic to write my work, that's when I am that's when I have my professional hat on. So uh, I, the, the Stars fan base is just a lot of fun just to, just to you know, uh, interact with and, 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 you know, watch sports with, and that's kind of what sports are all about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that you, you tweet like a stars fan. I'll give you. I'll give you that. Uh, <laughs> that piece of, I, I, of I compliment. What, I know what gets the traction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Dickinson stuff recently has been fantastic. Spot on. <laughs> man, All poor right. guy, man. He his face. Uh, I don't know. It's what hilarious, it's be like. man. <laughs> man, I, I, it's almost like he's got like a magnet on his face, like a rubber magnet on his face that attracts that attracts pucks. I, and then he breaks a board last game. What is wrong with this dude? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, okay. That's a good point that you brought that up, Chris. Let's, uh, let me let me ask him about that. I almost forgot about that. So I, uh, Chris said that the biggest. Tur- we're, I guess we're back to the Florida game again, right? Uh, Chris said that the the biggest uh, turning point in the game, in his opinion, was was when the boards broke. And when uh, I guess Florida had a chance to uh, regroup, guess, yeah, regroup and, and think about their think about their thoughts and what they needed to do. Uh, but I kind of argued on the flip side that the, the stars still still should have come out out of that. I agree you know, with you. I'm just saying that's when it happened. Right. So, do you think that that was the big turning point in the game, or was there a different aspect of the game that caused it to go so south like that? No, I mean, I, you know, it's hard to dispute that that was the turning point because that's just kind of what happened. I mean, you know, they played differently now. Whether now why that was the turning point? I mean, did Florida just regroup, momentum stopped, whatever the case may be? Um, that that's a whole different story. But you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, if to me, it felt like you know that uh it, it, to me it felt like that Ravens 49ers Super Bowl um when the lights oh, went out yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's like it was two different games before the lights went out and they didn't and and like that's how it felt with the stars uh on thir- on Thursday against the Panthers where you know before now you can't blame the boards though i mean not like you know yeah, that right but but there's no there's no denying that at that point in the game is where the tide changed um, and that's nobody's fault. Like that's not the Panthers didn't do that or nothing. That that's <laughs> like you know there there's no excuse for that. But yeah, that's definitely I think where the where the game changed for the Stars. Yeah, I said it was a conspiracy. I joked about it. And said <laughs> that Florida intentionally knew that those boards were going to be broken. It's, it's kind of weird that you game. added that into your <laughs> statement. <laughs> All right. Uh, so 
can we talk? Let's talk about uh, the insane schedule that the the stars have got over the course of the next two and a half months. Um, so before the schedule, before the two pauses even happened, first the you know the weather in Dallas, and then the you know the outbreak at training camp, it was already going to be a hard schedule. Um, how will the next 42 games, and I think it's like 74 days or 73 days now, or however many it is, uh, how is that going to affect the Stars over the course of the rest of the season? Well, the biggest thing is obviously going to be fatigue and health, right? And and that's going to be the biggest X factor. Uh, the other thing is, you know, like I've seen a lot of Stars fans get get really irritated with young player deployment right like Ty Delandria hasn't played in a couple of games and 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 that upsets a lot of people like look Ty Delandria is a part of this team he's he's a part of the present he's a part of the future um he's everything right so um but when you talk about the schedule that's what's going to happen you're not going to you're, you're going to have to rotate through on the bottom six especially uh because I, well ideally you'd want to rotate through evenly but right now you the stars can't the stars offensively can't afford to not have Joe Pavelski play if he's able to play like he needs to be out there if he can be out there um you know you're already down Alexander Radulov you're down Rope Hintz Tyler Sagan's out for a while like you don't have time you're veterans and it's it, you know I say that with air quotes it's crazy that Rope Hintz is already a veteran because <laughs> because that's where he's counted on this team, right? Like he's counted to be that kind of guy. Um, so I think it's really important that, you know, you're going to see the guys like Ty Delandria, like like Les Bronch, Nick Camano. Um, those kind of guys are going to be the ones that are kind of – Rhett Gardner, Tanner Carroll. Those are the guys that are going to kind of go through a rotation, and that's a product of the schedule. Like I think, you know, I, I don't think that would be happening in a normal season right now. Like I think it would be – a, there would be 12 to 14 players that would be in a solid rotation. Instead, there's going to be about 16 players who are going to have to rotate through and through. And so that's going to be the struggle that, that the Stars are going to have to juggle with. And really, it's about treading water until you can get some of those bigger names back. And that's what the Stars need to do. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been saying. So like, they talk, we've talked about it from other media personnel talking about when Bishop and Sagan come back, like that could feel like a big trade late in the season. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I think more with Sagan than Bishop. Um, I think Ben Bishop is, is the best goalie on this roster for sure, but I don't think his absence has been felt as much because Anton has been, uh, he started out really well and now he's playing incredible. He had the four game slump in the middle there. Um, but then Jake Ottinger, uh, I, I don't know how you can say he has not exceeded expectations. Like, I, I think he has. I mean, like, you know, you, his he has one regulation loss, and that, that was a third-period melt, meltdown. Um, he had, I mean, you know, the two Chicago games, he lost 2-1 in overtime. Uh, he's been incredible. So, um, you know, I, I think that's why Ben Bishop's absence maybe hasn't been felt that much. No doubt, it's going to be a big boost when it when it when he does return. But Tyler Sagan, yeah, they could use Tyler Sagan right now. They can use Alexander Radulov right now. So those are the ones that are really going to be a welcome return when that happens. 
Absolutely. As long as we hang around, as long as we get in the playoffs, that's all we need to do, in my opinion. All right, I think, I think we've got about one more question for you, and this is something that you've been talking about a lot recently, about how the Stars have like one of the highest scoring chance percentages in the league, and like crazy low amounts of goals compared to that. So like, what, what do we got to do to like bury those? Is it really just shoot more, like the same with Haskinen? it's it's also it's shooting more and it's also just i mean you know like i i think some of them it's not even like it's not even when they get their shots off sometimes it's just wide or just a, a little bit um you know a little high or something like that and and look those kind of things happen in hockey games we see you know remember was it last year time all runs together it was last year like uh last season or two seasons ago when it looked like Tyler Sagan was hitting the post more than anything else. And, and, you know, those kind of things are going to happen, but you just have to, I remember there was a game, I think it was against Chicago late where Rope Hintz had a wide open net with like 30 seconds left in the game. And that would have won it for them. And he just missed. And, and, and I don't know if that's just kind of calming down a little bit or something like that. And, and again, as somebody who's never played hockey, like who am I to tell Rope Hints to chill out? Or, you know, but like, <laughs> but but at the same time, like something has to change there. Where you know things are, you're you're being there. There's a very fine balance of being reckless and being uh and, and you know just being a little too chill. Uh, like you know I, we've talked about this the most with John Klingberg. Like he needs to just shoot because when he shoots, good things happen. And so, like, you know, there's a balance there that all these players have to come through. But you're right. And that's where, that's where the irritation, I think, comes with, uh, with, with the scoring chances is that they're there, but the team isn't converting. And, uh, and you know, it'd be a whole different sense of frustration um, if, if it just wasn't there. Like, then you're just like, you know what, can this season... It's over, which, by the way, a lot of Stars fans already have. But you know, mm-hmm. but it's, then it's you, not over. <laughs> but then you could actually do that and say, you know what? There's just nothing here. The problem is, you've lost nine games. Eight of them have essentially been one goal losses. You, the, the scoring chances are there, and that's why this is all more frustrating that they can't put it together. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned that the the scoring chance probability and how high it is. That's without, you know. Mo- three of our top six forwards in the roster right now. And, you know, there's no Radulov, no Sagan, no Hintz. And now Radulov and Hintz have kind of been – well, Hintz has been more in and out, but and Radulov has been in, but Sagan hasn't been in this whole season. So that's that's with a bunch of our, you know, quote-unquote top six forwards being out. All right. Yeah. I've, I've actually got one more question for you, and it's the most important oh. question of all. Okay? So right. I noticed that on Twitter for each game you put up – an office gif so right. i and, and chris is a huge office fan too I, I like the office but he is more you know die hard so i gotta ask you yeah he's yeah and he he likes parks and rec more yeah he likes oh, parks and rec more but he likes okay. the office too so i gotta ask you what's your what's your favorite scene or like favorite episode of the office well, favorite episode, there's only one right answer. Like there's, I mean, <laughs> like I, I know that, I know it sounds like it's an opinion question, but, but actually I take that back. I take that back. There's two, there's two. Um, and, and, and you could go either way, but it's only these two. It's either dinner party or it's stress relief. And, and it's, those are the two <laughs> best episodes on the show. And when it comes to scenes, you know, there's a lot of really good ones. I think, 
I think the most underrated character um, is Creed, and any scene that involves Creed <laughs> is usually a good one. Um, you know, the cold open with the fire drill uh, definitely is obviously one of the top ones. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there, there's, I think with scenes, there's a lot more flexibility for me with the episodes. Um, I think it's either dinner party or stress relief. And, and I don't really know the case that someone could build to me. And, and look, I'm on my 20th rewatch literally right now. I've watched it 19 times. I'm on oh my, my 20th rewatch. And <laughs> like, I literally like after I watched it for the seventh or eighth time or something, like I watch it every time now watching for one specific thing, one specific storyline or angle. So I've kind of like almost studying the office at this point more than watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but like, you know, when I, when I do that, it's just, you know, th- you see certain things like, you know, dinner party and, and, and stress relief stand out every single time. Uh, Scott's tots and, uh, and, and the toast at, at the wedding are the two most awkward moments of the entire show. Um, you know, it's just, it makes you cringe whether you're watching it for the first time or the 13th time, all the same when, 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 uh, Jim accidentally lets it slip that Pam's pregnant and, and Scott's taught. So those are kind of just my little, my little opinions that, you know, obviously it's a TV show. I'm not serious that those are the only right answers, but that's just kind of the conclusion <laughs> I've come to. Well, man. <laughs> Yeah, and especially dinner party. That is like the most cringiest. Like every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh gosh, it it makes me want to turn it off because of how cringy. I have to look away. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I do too. All right. All right. Well, uh, Saad, thank you for uh, agreeing to do this. Uh, We appreciate your time and uh, agreeing to do this. Um, uh, Where uh, where can uh, they? Where can Stars fans find your work? Yeah. So you know, like you said, I have. You know, I'm on Twitter at SaadYusuf126 for excessive tweeting and bad tweets. Um, I don't, I don't take Twitter too seriously. So, uh, so you know, like, yeah, I, I, I'm. If you follow me on Twitter, like you guys do, and then at the Athletic, you know that there's a very strong distinction in how I work. So if if uh, lighthearted stuff is more your thing, then I'm on Twitter. If not, then uh, subscribe to the Athletic, and you can follow my more sophisticated professional work there. Yep, and, and and once again, I highly encourage uh, all of you, if uh, you so desire, uh, to go and get a subscription to the Athletic. Uh, it, Saw does a great job, but uh, they've also got you know Sean's now on the national side, so he's doing all the business related stuff for the Athletic, and uh, there's just uh, great stories left and right, not just with the NHL, but with sports in general. So, uh, thanks again, Saw, for uh, joining us. Uh, Chris, you got anything to say before we close this out? Thanks, Saw. Uh, you got a voice for radio. appreciate it guys all right all right guys uh thank you all for joining us uh this has been along with ryan or see i did it again chris (laughs) along (laughs) along with chris i'm ryan uh you can follow us on uh starcastic r on twitter you can also follow us on instagram at starcastic remarks podcast and like us on facebook and subscribe to our youtube channel where we put all of our stuff our pgrs our interviews and all that great stuff um Uh, We'll be back with you guys again tomorrow night uh, when the Stars take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I believe that's an evening game, but don't hold me to it. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Thank you guys for tuning in. Bye.